What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers, who are on a four-game losing streak, but who cares? Because Lance Stevenson is back in a Pacers uniform. Uh, the Pacers lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers 108-104. Domas Sabonis, 32 points, 13 rebounds, and seven assists. A massive line, but forgive me if I didn't really pay that much attention to anyone except for Lance, particularly when he came on the first half and hit three of his first four shots and looked every bit the same guy that he did previously when he was in a Pacers uniform, Alex. uh, Just you and I today. I know Justin's got a few thoughts on Lance's re-debut for the Pacers, but... He's just a different guy when he puts on a Pacers uniform. It's it's quite something. I think Justin's already on the flight to Indianapolis to watch that uh, game <laughs> against the Nets. But um, yeah, it, it's honestly it's it's a wonder. It, it's funny he plays almost unplayable for every other team, and then when he comes to the Pacers, he's just a different player. So I mean, I'm not complaining. Pacers fans aren't complaining. It's hilarious. But yeah, in that first half, he had six points, had a couple of assists. I was like, wow, like you're telling me this guy couldn't have played a full season over Brad Wanamaker? Come on, man. But um then then in that second half, he he didn't really do that much. So it's almost a Lance Stevenson experience in in a hole you got it, uh, in that game against the Cavs. I thought, you know, he had a short leash, which is understandable. I would love to see Rick play him some more, especially with Domas, because obviously, you know, Domas and Miles are the only two guys that he's played basketball with on this Pacers team. So if I have one thing to say, it's uh, get me more uh, Domas and Lance pick and roll minutes uh, in the next week. Especially given the lack of talent we have at point guard. I mean, Dwayne Washington and Kiefer mm-hmm. Sykes both played really good games against the Cavs, who were also pretty short-handed as well. I mean, they were playing their second choice backcourt. Their backcourt was uh, Kevin Pangos. Brandon Goodwin came <laughs> off the bench and scored seven points. Lamar Stevens yeah. scored 15 points off the bench. These are guys that we will probably never mention on this this show ever again with all due respect to those guys, they balled out against the Pacers. But I think the the key is that we don't really have that much creativity on this team with the number of players in COVID protocols. The only, you know, distributor we have is ironically our best player, Domus Sabonis. I mean, he has seven assists, led the team, um, you know, scored at will inside, uh, hit three threes. You know, he was incredible. But to your point, you need another guy out there creating. Otherwise, you're not, you, you know, you're going to end up just going through one guy, and that's really easy for opposing defenses to stop. And let's not pretend that Lance is a starting player in the 2021 NBA. He's 31 years old. He's past the prime that he had a few years ago, where he nearly made the All Star team and had the most triple doubles in the league one year. But having said all that, he still has something. He still has an X factor. He still has the ability to get his teammates involved, to hit a shot, open shot, you know, to make a shot off the dribble. He, you know, if he's playing with confidence, then he can catch fire potentially for you uh, in a quarter of basketball. So he can give you something. He's the perfect spark plug off the bench, which is kind of what this Pacers team needed. I mean, even with a full strength side, this Pacers team really struggled to get a spark plug off the bench. Chris Duarte wasn't really that. He was kind of anchoring the offense off the bench when we were at somewhat near full strength. But, I mean, TJ McConnell doesn't uh, give you a spark off the bench. He does defensively, but he certainly doesn't offensively. Um, And this is a role that the Pacers kind of need. I think if you're Rick Carlisle, you almost have to let Lance make mistakes, right? Like, that's who he is. He's going to turn the ball over every once in a while. He's going to take a bad shot. But uh, when you pull a guy like Lance after doing that, 
you don't give him a chance to do what you said. You don't give him a chance to bring the energy. You don't let him cook. So, look, if if it's me uh, leading this team, I'm just letting Lance do what he does and let let him have some free will, man. Like we're we're losing games regardless. So like if even if you're the biggest Lance hater, we suck. So why not just have some fun out there? We're a boring team. Uh, let Lance ankle break someone who's like never going to be in the NBA again and put it on Sports Center. I would absolutely love it. We are on pace for thirty wins right now like <laughs> let's that let's be really let's be really clear we are not a good basketball team so why not give the rock to a guy like lance for you know he played 12 minutes against the Cavs. why not increase that to about 18 about nine minutes a half and just yeah. let him go let him go why not what's the worst that could happen we we end up doing exactly what we've done the rest of the season and lose most of our games. Like that's we lose by seven instead of four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. What what a shock. Like a loss is a loss. Who cares? You and ultimately, I think the the resounding thing that we've seen on social media is how excited Pacers fans are about having something to see, having something to talk about, having something to witness in a Pacers game because they've been the toughest watch in the NBA so far this season. You know, you even saw like Kenny Beecham tweet about Lance being back on the team. You saw influencers tweet about Lance being back on the team because he creates some headlines and the Pacers need to sell tickets right now. So like we haven't played a home game with Lance yet. That's coming tomorrow against New York um, or sorry, against Brooklyn the following day. Lance is going to Madison Square Garden tomorrow. Now who knows what he'll put up there. He could put up zero, he could put up 20. But that's the point. Like this is exciting. And right now, this team has nothing to be excited about outside of Lance Stevenson. Like, it, the, our best player is a great player, but a boring player. Uh, our All of our rotation players are solid, but not spectacular, not good enough to win games, but also not good enough to get on the sports center top 10. Lance can do those things. He could catch fire. He could, you know, have a highlight. He could, you know, make the crowd go crazy. So... I mean, once like just like you said, what do you got to lose? We're we're fourteen and twenty three. I, I just I don't understand anyone thinking that this is anything other than you know give the guy a chance. He might, you know what? He might be good after a few reps, after some significant minutes. Yep. And if he is, no one's happier than the three of us that do this show. Um, if he's not, then okay, no what no harm. No harm whatsoever. Like it's not like you're putting minutes into a or losing minutes for a uh, for a young guy. We haven't got any young guys. We're on COVID protocols right now. So, I mean, when you go up against New York, when you go up against Brooklyn, his ten day contract will end around the Utah game, which is at home as well. So he has three more chances to, I guess, prove himself before getting the opportunity potentially for another ten day or whatever the case may be. But, I mean they could do a hell of a lot worse than giving Lance 18, 20 minutes a game over the next three games. Yeah, exactly. And you know, what's funny. Uh, someone posted a video on the timeline the other day and it was Lance talking about his return back in, uh, I think it was the 2017, <laughs> 2017 season. Was it? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. yeah. And he's talking about how it's going to be like MJ <laughs> coming back <laughs> for the, uh, for the bulls. So <laughs> shout but out to Lance. So that, funny, okay. But, um, that's, that's a stupid comment, but the crowd is going to like, go nuts for Lance in yeah, the field house. He's, not, go he's not even wrong. Exactly. Like, yeah, we all know Lance is a bench player, but who cares? Like Indiana loves him. Indiana's a bra- embrace him like no other place. So I think it's worth it. But you know, you were talking about 
boring players and boring team. You know, I was watching today. I was watching the Grizzlies and John Morant against the Nets. Electric. And this dude was just he, every game. He's unbelievable. He's doing some crazy dunk or something. And the Grizzlies are like the Pacers, right? They're uh, one of the smallest markets in the entire league. Um, you know, they were very similar to us in the 2013-14 era where they were competing for conference finals. So uh, what did they do? They bottomed out to get an exciting young guy who, who could change the face of their franchise. And if yeah. you're the Pacers, I think you have to be looking at that. And even a guy like Trey Young, top five pick today, had 56 and 14. Like you don't get, if you're Indiana, you can't get a guy like that unless yep. you get a top five pick. So I think it's a good segue. Cleveland, our, Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley's incredible. How good was he? How good was he? Incredible. That's the first time I've seen a young guy make Miles look terrible. Like he was cooking Miles on the defensive end. Yeah. So, and and they've got a guy in protocols right now, Darius Garland, who is also mm-hmm. having an incredible season, shooting a really efficient clip, hitting threes, getting his teammates involved. Like he's the real deal. And, you know, the Cavs had to suck for five years, but they yeah. won a title before that with LeBron. But guess how they got that title? They drafted a guy number one, and he just so happened to be born there and just so happened to come back. But, I mean, point being, they've set themselves up to be a really exciting team, have a couple of rookie deals on on you know your roster for three, four seasons. So, therefore, they have cap room to be able to make a trade or go after some mid-level free agent in free agency and overpay them. And this is the luxury that having good rookies affords you. This is how teams like the Spurs won in, two, in 1999, having Tim Duncan and already having David Robinson. They sucked yeah. for a year. I mean, this is how, like, the Lakers obviously traded for Kobe and signed Shaq. Like, teams have to kind of suck for a year and get a really good player in the draft to be good. We've seen this time and time and time again. Golden State were terrible for 15 years, aside from the We Believe Warriors that beat the Mavs in 06. And then they drafted Steph, they drafted Draymond, they drafted Clay in the space of about two drafts. And, you know, it took them a couple of years to come good. But by the time Steph's rookie deal was up, they were incredible Mm -hmm. because they drafted well, because they drafted really good young players. And, you know, you, you can sell hope to a fan base. You absolutely can sell hope to a fan base. And it feels like this team and this organization is either doesn't believe that you can sell hope or is unwilling to sell hope to the franchise fan base. Like if we drafted a great young player this season, I guarantee you people would be excited for the Pacers next year. I guarantee you attendance would go up. Can't possibly go down by more than it is right now. Like we were talking off air Right now, the Pacers are averaging about as many fans as the Sydney Kings and the Perth Wildcats in the NBL, about 10,000, 10,500 fans. Like, this is this is where it's gotten to right now. And that's no knock on Sydney or Perth. They're selling out their arenas because our arenas are not as big as your arenas over there. So it's, you know, sell some hope. I mean, I, I think the, the positive part about all this is despite all the talk, despite all the Herb Simon stuff, despite all the, you know, retracting statements of, you know, we are rebuilding, we're not rebuilding, we've continued to lose. Like, I mean, that's, I, I, 
Are you happy we've continued to lose? Not for the players, but for the outcome. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone's going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings kings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER I was going to say I feel seriously bad sometimes rooting for these guys to lose because I like them all yeah like, don't get me wrong everyone on this team I like them on an individual level and they're all solid basketball players as well like none of them are scrubs or anything but together it's not working so <laughs> at the time I'm rooting for us to lose and I'm rooting for teams like Portland to win the Thunder to win because right now ladies and gentlemen we are one game ahead of the Thunder Yep. One game ahead of the... They're trying to lose. They are actively trying to lose games. They lost by like 100 to the Grizzlies, didn't they? I mean, yep. uh, it, it is what it is, but I hope we get a top five pick. That's what I'm hoping for. We're one game out of the fourth pick right now. But if I know the paces, we'll probably get stitched up in the lottery. So that's the only thing I worry about. Yeah, we'll end up... If, even if we have the fourth best odds, we'll end up with like the seventh pick or something. Like yeah, somehow. I guarantee it. <laughs> um that's just the way it, it kind of works now. But uh, yeah, I, I we've got a back-to-back coming up against New York and Brooklyn. Um, New York at the moment has also struggled, not as much as the Pacers have. They're 17 and 20. They were predicted to be a hell of a lot better than 17 and 20 though. Um, but they will almost certainly win that game in the garden. Brooklyn loom next. And it just so happens that on the second night of a back-to-back, the Pacers run into the first game of the season for Kyrie Irving. So, A, this is bad luck for the Pacers uh, because you always want to have a good showing against a really good team at home, try and steal some wins against the Brooklyns of the world. But, B, I mean, is there any world in which a Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden-led Brooklyn loses to this Pacers team with all of its starting guards in protocols? It would be a travesty of a loss, mate. <laughs> it would be uh, it would be brutal. But uh, you will, I will say this: Herb Simon's probably licking his lips at Kyrie coming back because that's a sold out arena now. Yep. So <laughs> there's some, uh, a few extra seats in the crowd. You get LeBron in the arena, you get Steph in the arena, and it's sad because now you're hoping for opposing all stars to play to be able to bump mm. your crowds up. Like you should not have well, to. Well, the hope Bulls for game, that. the the yeah. Bulls game, when DeRozan hit that game winner, I thought it was a Bulls crowd. Like yeah. Everyone was cheering. It was so there were so many Bulls fans in the I've arena. It was made, probably like I've made that drive from Chicago to Indiana. That's only four hours. Um, I made the mistake of wearing Pacers stuff into a McDonald's in south the <laughs> south of Chicago. And uh I was promptly shouted down by about 30 people that were in the restaurant. So I quickly <laughs> left. But um yeah, it's it's a short drive and tickets would have been really cheap for Chicago fans. So they would have gone, Oh, let's get away for the for New Year's 
go to Indianapolis for a night, go and see the Bulls, pay 30 bucks for a really good ticket. And hey, presto, you've got half an arena full of Bulls fans. And <laughs> that's, I mean, it'll be the same for Milwaukee fans, it'll be the same for Detroit fans. They're all close by. That's the central division, the kind of the part and parcel of the central division that all those teams are relatively close to each other. Cleveland as well. Um, and they're all, you know, mere hours from each other. So it stands to reason that when we play division rivals this season, we're going to see significant numbers of, of road fans come into the arena, which really sucks because you want to be able to watch a Pacers broadcast and watch a Pacers home game and be able to see the, the crowd really into it. I mean, 2017, we keep harping on about it all, all here. I feel like we talk about the 2017 season every every single week on this show, but crowds were incredible for those Oladipo teams. They were electric and they loved the team. The team loved the crowds back and Bo Yarn was hitting threes and Corey Joseph was getting picked up off the floor by five players. And it was just fantastic. You go back to the Paul George, Lance Stevenson, David West, Roy Hibbert, George Hill, Danny Granger teams. The crowds were incredible. We've experienced those crowds. They were amazing. Even in Miles' rookie year, when we weren't all that good, the crowds were still decent, but now they're, they're really not. So like the team's not going to trade for an all-star and they're also not going to suddenly win 10 games in a row. So you've, there's, there's no other way out of this, I think, is, is where I'm getting to. And sadly, as uh, as much as I love TJ Warren, he's not going to bring crowd back. Like he's no. not the uh, excitement factor that uh, great player. That some players are. Love yeah, TJ yeah. Warren. Love, but I mean, Bubble Warren was two really fun weeks that we had for this show. That was the last COVID. time, Adam. That was the last time I've been excited about pace of basketball. Yeah, and that was what like fourteen months ago, maybe or something. I don't know. And a week later, Victor Oladipo was dapping up the Miami team as if he was a member of that squad. And lo and behold, he is now a member of that squad. Um, but that that first week in the bubble when Warren scored 53 against Philadelphia was was electric. It was incredible. That that's the sort of, you know, the sort of play that we need from a player on our team that wants to be there. And that's the that's I guess the sad part about Warren not being able to get on the court the last 12 months. He wants to be on this team, he wants to play for the Pacers. He wants to stay in Indiana. That's been reported by Scott Agnes and, and others. So the fact that we got a guy who has the demeanor the team likes, he's stoic, he's you know professional, and he wants to play for the team. I mean, you hate to see a guy like that not be able to get on the court because the, the team really clearly see him as someone that they want to keep around for a long time. I also want to ask you this. Do you think that even the front office has been surprised by how long his comeback has taken? Because... The amount Kevin Pritchard was talking about him in that presser, it almost sounded like he was trying to make it sound like TJ was going to come back like instantly this season. And he doesn't seem like he's coming back anytime. So it's bizarre to me. They haven't really told us anything. It seems like they had some bad advice or something, or they they just Mm. didn't listen properly, or it wasn't clearly communicated. I mean, if you listen to Kevin Pritchard at the start of the season, Warren was coming back in December. November, December, like it was going to be weeks or days, not months. And, you know, we're now, you know, into the first week of January and there's no talk of TJ Warren even practicing five on five. He's practicing, but he's not practicing full on, you know, five on five, full contact. He's, He's not part of that yet. 
And he's going to need at least a week or two of that to be able to get some conditioning up to be able to, to suit up. And, you know, you, you also look at it and you think how far in the season does it have to go before you don't want to risk him because you're not playing for anything. I mean, if we get 50 games into the season and we're 20 and 30 or we're, you know, 18 and 32, then at that point, do you bother? Or do you say, look, rest up, work on your conditioning, get into game shape, have a really big summer, work on your game and come back next season? Because, or, or do you say, we've got to sell some tickets, so <laughs> let's get TJ Warren out there for the last 20 games of the season and if we go 10 and 10, then that's that's an improvement and maybe the crowds like it and maybe we go into next season with a bit of momentum and maybe it's it's a better situation. But right now, I mean, we're absolutely no shot of making the playoffs or the play where we're very we're a very remote shot of making the play in. Teams like Detroit are out playing us right now as well, and they've got COVID protocols left, right, and center, just like we do. So it's um it's I don't know whether it's worth it to bring Warren back at this point of the season, even if he's ready. I mean, you have to be so sure that he is fully healthy and there is no chance of him re-injuring that foot because if there's even a 1% chance of him re-injuring that foot, for me, you don't put him out there at all. And you know what? I'm almost at that point with Brogdon. If he's yep. like he's Achilles, if if it's really hanging by a thread, or because he, you know, he played that Bulls game and was out after like half a quarter. If it is at the point where it's even like you're worried about him tearing his Achilles, yeah, sit him, sit him because he's got four years left. Exactly, you've you've extended this guy for four years. You cannot have him uh, suffering like a twelve month injury in that time. That's no. insane. So, yeah, it, you know, I think. Look, the paces are, let's be honest, the paces are never going to shut anyone down, are they? Like, it's just, they're not going to do that. But I think at some point, TJ and Brogdon, the two guys with their injury history, you have to look at it and go, well, we're not, we're not winning any games. So do we just sit them? I, I hope they would at least consider that. At some point, you've got to look at the record, though, and think, when are they going to be tested? When's their medal going to be tested in terms of resting players or in terms of shutting people down for the season? I mean, you're right. If if Malcolm is one bad movement away from snapping his Achilles or if there's a significant risk of his Achilles being severely injured if he uh, keeps playing this season, and once again, we're 18 and 32 or we're 20 and 36 or something, what, what's the point? What, what's the point of playing this guy? Shut him down. Allow him to rest over summer. Allow him to recuperate. Allow him to rehab. Allow him to strengthen his Achilles and his ankle and his knees and everything around it and just focus on body and just focus on... I mean, you look at a guy like Miles who went away a couple of years ago, got right into yoga, and he has barely had an injury in terms of like a, a soft tissue injury over the last couple of years. Like he's been quite durable overall so you know i think you need to you need to focus on wellness with these guys with lavert with warren with brogdon whoever you're going to keep regardless of who you're going to keep focus on durability with all of your players because right now that's the biggest issue that we've had over the last couple of years so you can't afford to just keep doing the same thing and expect a different result you can't afford to keep trotting these guys out there when they're 
70%, 80% and expecting that they will just get through the rest of the season because yes, they're professionals. Yes, they're making a lot of money, but this season is lost. It is gone. So like Alex, why, why would you, but I know what you're going to say. Of course, they're going to try and trot these guys out. Of course, they're going to try and win as many games as possible because it's, it's what the team does, unfortunately. But yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's dire if they decide to play these guys hurt. The only difference I'll say is that with Warren, I can see why they would want to watch him, right? They haven't seen him play in a year yeah. and he's a free agent, right? Yeah. So if you're the Pacers and you don't know how much money you want to give this guy or if you want to give him a one-year or a multi-year, maybe you want to see him for a month. I get that. With Brogdon, though, you got him for four years. You don't need to see what this guy can do this season and you can't trade him, right? Yeah. So. If you are, if you do want to go full rebuild, which who knows, then uh, you might want to look to trade Brogdon in the off season when you can. You don't want to be trading him when he's got a torn Achilles. So, um, yeah, that those are the two things I think would be the incentives for either sitting him or, or watching him. Yeah, and you know, there's a big back to back coming up uh, against two very popular teams. Uh, the Brooklyn game is going to be really interesting. Um, in the field house because I feel like there's another candidate for a team that's going to have a lot of opposing fans. Even though Brooklyn don't have a hell of a lot of opposing fans in New York, there's overwhelmingly Nick fans in, in Manhattan. But um, I feel like there's going to be some pretty loud Brooklyn fans in the house for that game. Utah, not so much. I mean, Utah fans, I'm not sure if they travel. They could prove me wrong. But um, yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be another example of you know Kevin Durant's coming, coming to town. Then all of a sudden... A back to get back to back against Boston, which um, will be a really interesting couple of games because that team has struggled as well. Uh, chemistry wise, it's not been a really good fit. I kind of wish we'd done the Sabonis for Jalen Brown trade when it was rumored a little while ago, if we'd thrown in a first round pick. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how we go against, you know, New York, Boston teams that are struggling and should be doing a lot better than they are. You could say the same about the Pacers, but they've got more talent than we have. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks in Pacers basketball. We've been the Pacers. We will catch you again next time.